0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, when the new episode usually drops, it is February 21st. Yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday to me.
1: Happy birthday, Harley.
0: I am the ripe old age of 38. Um, you got, you got like a month left and then you're there with me.
1: I know. I know. And yeah, pancakes about- is,
0: about pancakes is a couple months behind us.
1: <laughs> That's right. We're the 38 club. Um, we're old and tired and ready to go be- to bed by 1030.
0: Yeah. Not as glamorous as the 27 club, but we're still here. So. I mean. We won.
1: Yeah, we won.
0: Suck on that. Uh, famous rock stars. Like,
1: won by like 11 years. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Take that, Janice Joplin. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Jimi Hendrix?
0: Guy from The Doors, maybe? I don't have a <laughs> list in front of me.
1: Uh, okay, part, persons. I, I don't remember.
0: Uh, but I do share a birthday with Kurt Cobain, actually. He was also February 20th, like me.
1: Hey, there you go. Was he a 27?
0: I want to say yes.
1: Oh, mm. well, there you go. Yeah. Take that, Kurt Cobain.
0: Uh, yeah, and women's wrestling news. Happy birthday also to my fellow February 20th, Gail Kim.
1: Ah, we really should be doing more birthday shout outs to women wrestlers who never listen to this podcast and would yeah. not care for wishing them happy birthday. I
0: just like to brag that I share a birthday with Gail Kim and Rihanna. I think it's cool.
1: I don't share a birthday with anyone like particularly notable. I think I, well, I mean notable, but not like anyone like especially cool. I think I share a birthday with like Rico Kasich from the Cars hmm. and like uh i don't know steve mcqueen i think that's pretty cool
0: vico casek let the good times roll
1: that's right that's my motto everybody who knows me knows that my motto is let the good times roll and um uh something something about going home tonight
0: yeah so i'm 38 i don't know whatever that's same old same old but here's something new that even you don't know yet because i haven't mentioned it or said anything on twitter uh back in june like nine months ago i got married okay. at the time there was discussions as there is want to do around marriages of whether or not my wife would take my last name and she didn't really want to she likes her last name she didn't really want to change it she offered to hyphenate and do like vasquez Paget, but i'm not a fan of hyphenations i don't know what it is maybe it's the english major in me maybe it's the fact that the only person i knew when i was a kid who had a hyphenated last name was my friend david and the only reason his last name was hyphenated was because his parents were divorced and so in my head ever since if i see a hyphenated last name on paper i assume it's like oh product of divorce or something like that and i'm like "Mm, i don't like i don't like that i don't want that for like any future kids that we might have to have like a hyphenated last name and have people assume that we're divorced or whatever but i want us to have the same last name because like Maybe it's silly, maybe it's old-fashioned, and it's like useless and not necessary these days. But I don't know. I like it's 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 nice to me. Yeah. So after much discussion and after like much consideration of the fact that like I've never really cared for the last name Paget. It's French. It's supposed to be Pagot. We don't pronounce it Pagot. We pronounce it Paget because my grandpa hated French people, and I'm not French. Really. Like I'm, I'm, you know, going down the 23Me family tree. I'm like f- French some way back, but. I'm like third generation Canadian. Me, both my parents, all four of my grandparents, all born in Toronto, Canada. Like literally, we're like third, I'm third generation Torontonian Canadian. So I don't embrace my French roots in particular. A name is a name. What's in a name? As Willie Shakespeare once said. Hmm. So this week, officially, after I paid a little visit to the government and I put in the paperwork and I got a new health card, I can officially announce here on the show that Harvey R. Padgett. Is dead.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: You are listening to Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Vasquez. <laughs>
2: pink skeleton and my blood is glittery. I am pink skeleton
1: and my blood is glittery. Wow. Harvey Vasquez.
0: It's going to take some getting used to. Don't worry, folks. It is. I mean,
1: I'm just um, so, you, so are we going with Harley Vasquez or are we going with Harley R. Vasquez?
0: The origin story, we got some time to fill this week, folks. <laughs> the origin story <laughs> of the middle initial, little pretentious 10-year-old Harley knew that he was going to be this world famous, great author when he grew up. And he started to realize, you know what? A lot of authors use a middle initial. E.L. Konigsberg, R.L. Stein. J. R. R. Token. A lot of these people use middle na- initials. If I use my middle initial, maybe it'll make me be like a real author, too. So literally, from the age of 10, I started using my middle initial. Harley Raymond Paget, but I always went by Harley R. Paget, and I've signed that for everything. And it continued in my teens, into my 20s, into my late 30s. And I still aspire to, like, publish a novel. One day I've written a couple of children's novels that have yet to be published, but I don't know. I think new name, new branding, new identity, and I, I just uh, I think it's time to drop the R as well and just go with the simple Harley Vasquez.
1: Yeah, it's really like a not just a new name but like a new mindset about your name.
0: Yeah, New Year new me. The fact that the fact that it coincided with my birthday was just kind of kind of coincidental. It was more just like my boss gave me the weekend off for my birthday and so I had the time to finally go down to our equivalent of like the DMV and go through the paperwork and wait in line for 45 minutes
1: that's really incredible what do your parents think
0: so that was the thing my mother-in-law was like no mm, i don't like it like your dad your dad's gonna be crushed and i mentioned it or I asked my dad around christmas and he was like yeah whatever Like what do i care
2: wow like, he's,
0: he's not the kind of guy who's like you must carry on the family name you must have a son to continue our legacy it's like again he's like me he's like a name's a name like what do i he he, doesn't talk, he hasn't talked to his two brothers in like 20 years, and his parents both passed away a long time ago, and he doesn't talk about them a lot, so like, we're not like roots in that. It's not a, it's not a big deal to us, really. So he says it. And that's the thing that I keep saying when people bring it up too, is how often in an average week do you really use your last name? Hmm. it appears on paperwork and on like your credit card and things. And if you go to like an appointment, they might be like Mrs. Fear. But you know, when you're around your friends and you're just like every day to day life, it doesn't come up that often.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird for me because I don't, so fear is my last name. It's, It's my last name. It's not my husband's last name. And so it's weird to be called Mrs. Fear because it doesn't feel right. Like, Like the joke of like, oh, no, Mrs. Fear is my mother, like Mr. Blah, blah, blah is my father. Like, But quite literally, Mrs. Fear is my mother. Technically, if I'm a Mrs., it feels like I should be Mrs. Todd, which is my husband's last name. But I'm not. I'm not Todd. I'm Fear. So I am Mrs. Fear, but it just never works in my brain.
0: Yeah, see, this is why I said like, no, we need the same last name. It's too confusing.
1: No, I mean, (laughs) it, it makes sense. We have two separate last names. We have two different last names. And when we had our son, um, it it was a like it was a very short conversation of whose last name he was going to get. And um, I had no issues with the the outcome of that. But I did like my mother champion hand that she is. She's been worried about us not having the same last name since the minute we got married. So, like, of course, when my kid came around, she was fretting about what we were going to do about the name. But even that that's that's resolvable. If you have a kid and you have two separate last names, you can always hyphenate, which we didn't do, but you can. Um I don't know. And also our our last names don't sound good hyphenated. That's really important if you're going to do a hyphen. If you're Pasha, god? <laughs> yeah, Pasquez is a mouthful.
0: Yeah, and they kind of go weird. I said we could combine them. You know, we could have both change our last name to Pasquez
1: yes you you your ship yeah, you could have changed your last name to your ship name, um you could have changed it to an entirely different name. I do know a woman in my field who very famously, when her and her husband got married, they changed their last name to a completely different word, and that is amazing, so her last name is amazing now
0: <laughs> okay that's uh
1: it's a little woo for my taste, I mean good on them for doing for staying true for to who they are, but like come on. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's why right. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're changing our last name to XD. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes, uh, Fear Todd doesn't sound great, and Todd Fear sounds even worse. So, um, one-syllable names don't tend like don't tend to hyphenate well if they're two one-syllable names. Uh, so, all this to say, my child does not have does not share a last name with one of us, and that is okay. It doesn't. It has not yet to create any confusion at daycare, despite my mother completely believing it would.
0: So, with all that out of the way, hey, this is Grinning and Glitter. Hey, let's talk about some women's wrestling.
1: Hey, speaking of moniker changes.
0: Oh yeah, speaking of new last names.
1: Yeah, let's like much like I could have changed
0: mine to Monet.
1: You could have, much like the new Harley Vasquez. Mercedes Monet, formerly known as Sasha Banks, made her first big match appearance for New Japan Pro Wrestling.
0: Yeah, I want to say her first match outside of WWE in like 11 years or something like
1: that. I think that's what they said. Yeah, like 10, 11 years.
0: Because she had an independent career before WWE, unlike Charlotte Flair and a lot of the other women in WWE. She wrestled on the Independence. She wrestled, I want to say she even did like one match for Beyond back in the day.
1: Yes um she she did at least a handful one of which I had on my list of like intergender matches Mercedes Renato was on like I think was in the independence for two or three years prior to to getting signed like it, it, and it took her a while to get signed by WWE but like she is not a WWE talent she's not like well she's not like an ingrown talent like in the way that they have a lot of those she very much did have a did, did have independent career albeit not to the longevity that some of the women who end up getting signed by WWE do. Like she wasn't working on the independence as long as like, say like Nikki Cross was, but um, yep, absolutely. She was there and um, now she's back out. And I will, I will just say right ahead of time, it was really interesting the way commentary kind of worked with that backstory. Like, referencing it but not referencing it like saying it then kind of opting not to say the words WWE like it, it was really interesting to me how they're kind of like trying to very slowly back away from ever like mentioning Sasha Banks
0: every company is like this they're so hesitant to mention like even a name of a competing promotion that for a long time like I thought it was like illegal Like, oh, they can't, they're not allowed to use the name WWE or they'll get sued. (laughs) Like, they're not even allowed to mention WWE on commentary or they'll get sued. It's like, they can talk about it. They can say, like, oh, the former Sasha Banks here or reinventing herself. They just choose not to for whatever reason.
1: I think it's also probably partially because the wrestler would prefer them not to because a wrestler is going into a match and going into a new and environment trying to really like live there and like be completely within this like you know new incarnation of themselves. It does them no service to continually reference their previous persona with their previous company. Of course you're gonna talk about like her having been there. She's a major player in WWE for ten years. Like that's not something that you could just discard and not discuss in any shape or form. But like I also get why they don't say the name, why they don't talk about like why they don't talk about specific like why most of her moveset and stuff don't does not bear the same name that it did before when she was in WWE. like there's just a lot of reasons why a wrestler might prefer the commentary kind of stray away from that
0: that was really the big stakes around this match even more so than the iwgp women's championship which has only been around for what two months when did we crown the first champion for that
1: So the champion was officially made Kyrie in November at the historic crossover show. So yeah, it was been about like, maybe I would say about three months, a little less than.
0: That's almost second. That's secondary is a, hey, the title could change hands. Yeah, what? The title is three months old. Big deal. The big deal was, yeah, this is her wrestling for the first time since leaving WWE. First time seeing mercedes Monet wrestle, seeing how she looks, what that entails, if it's going to be different. All of that. thats the That was a real big selling point coming into this match. And for that reason, I entered this match not as excited as I could have been. Because I'm like, alright, this is it. She's finally outside. She's wrestling for Japan. But she's wrestling in California against somebody that she's already wrestled in WWE. And, you know, it's not, it's not as exciting as if her first match was in um, whatever, in the Tokyo Dome or in a Japanese venue taking on Mayu Wadani or somebody that she had never competed against before.
1: I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I think... Okay, so I've watched the vast majority of this show and I'll say this. If Mercedes had made her big like in-ring debut, if she made her match debut in Japan... I don't know that we would have seen the crowd reaction in the same way that we did in her doing this in California and no disservice to the Japanese crowds, because I do, I do want to watch new Japan pro wrestling in, I I do want to watch like Japanese pro wrestling in Japan. I want to set in Japan for the most part. And I don't watch a ton of the new Japan us stuff, not because I'm not interested, but I just don't have time. But that all being said, like, this was all about the momentum and the excitement and to make her debut like this versus Kyrie, also a known quantity amongst these people to put it in a place where people not only like fans who are familiar with their work, but also people in the industry or who are very close to these people will be able to be in the crowd. That reaction when Mercedes made her entrance, I mean, it was like nothing else. And I've watched the vast majority of Battle of the Valley. This was the biggest pop of the night. This was the, Biggest. They sold out this venue because of her being here. They sold out this venue because of this match. And that was every bit evident in the crowd reaction when she did her entrance. So while I think that there are going to be some compelling things for her down the line that have to do with more Japanese talent that is less known by U.S. audiences, while I'm excited to see her grow in front of Japanese audiences, I get why this was done the way it was and it actually did work for me
0: well and then it's almost like two for one deal because they got to have mercedes have her big first new japan match and now they still get to have mercedes have her first big in japan match as well as a separate thing down the line so it's like two debuts for one almost
1: yes 100 percent And having Kyrie be like, I mean, Kyrie is a belt holder. I have no idea how much they knew about Sasha or about Mercedes coming into this picture when they made Kyrie their first IWGP women's champion. I I don't know how they would have known that, you know, Mercedes was going to come along in December and announce intentions to be their Wrestle Kingdom. Who knows? But it does, you know, in whatever way it's shaped out. I do think it's very fitting and very interesting to have Mercedes take on Kyrie, even though like, yes, they know each other. They probably saw each other. In, I I don't know. I assume they saw each other in ring in WWE. I assume.
0: Yeah. They said, I think Rick Abani mentioned on commentary that they had wrestled together or wrestled against each other before. I don't know if it was singles or if it was in tag matches. They definitely shared a ring in WWE a couple of times.
1: For me, there was kind of a power in that, like, both of these women are being able to find a second wing of their career or I guess in Kyrie's case, a third wing of her career outside of that, of that controlling force. And for Sasha, that's a very liberating thing. Um, for her to be able to like really carve out a brand new identity for herself in Japanese, in amongst Japanese crowds and U S fans of Japanese wrestling. Um, Kairi is a perfect, to, like kind of shepherd her way into this. So I think, I I thought it was really fitting. It worked, again, it just worked for me.
0: So we get a group of dancers on stage doing a little thing before her music hits and she comes out. then she comes out in full Hannah Kimura, Tokyo Cyber Squad gear. She's got the gas mask on. She's got the fuzzy boot covers, all those sort of things. Tremendous positive reaction to this online from people like Kyoko uh, uh, Kimura, her mom, and uh, Junko Kiona, Hannah's best friend, who were like all crying about uh, how beautiful the gear was and what a nice tribute it was. I didn't like it at first just only because I thought it was the wrong time. I was like this is you making your first match as Mercedes Monet. You should be showing us who Mercedes Monet is. What Mercedes Monet looks like. You shouldn't be like cosplaying essentially in like your first appearance. But I also I think I thought that we had seen Mercedes do like Hannah Kemmerer inspired gear in WWE in the past and I don't think she has I think I was mixing it up with Dakota Kai has gone done a bunch of Hannah Kemmerer gear before I think I was mixing up the two it, whereas for Mercedes this was the first time we've seen her do this kind of tribute
1: I was fine with it uh, I thought it was a, both a beautiful tribute and a wonderful way to say like you know, I, I'm here and I, I I mean to be here. I, I want to be here in inhabiting all of the influences of Japanese women's wrestling from the past and from the last several years. Like, I thought it was a really great way to like, say, like, I get it. And I'm here to like, I'm here to really be a part of this and not just, you know, and not just play the like, you know, the kind of gimmick that she's coming in with of like, you know, money and power and stature and etc. Like, I do like that this gear kind of tells a different story of her intentions in New Japan Pro Wrestling and in, in women's job in, in Joshi.
0: As far as the match went, she didn't lean particularly heel in any way. Kairi obviously didn't. Like, there might have been a couple of moments. I think there was a moment where she bit herself free out of a, out of a crossface or something like that. But other, And we got the ref bump, which set up shenanigans. But all it really led to was them falling up the ramp and getting to do a little bit at the top of the ramp and use the table without getting counted out. Other than that, she played it fairly straight, but with enough wiggle room that I guess she could lean harder in one direction or the other going forward once they're back in Japan and if she like when she shows up in stardom for the first time.
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of like trash talking and there was like a slap in the face early on and there was some like kind of swaggery type things. And obviously there was a Eddie Guerrero shout out that, you know, you know, worked against her, um, in the moment. Um, when the table came out, it was, it was Mercedes who pulled the table out with the intention of using it. But like, that is almost not even considered a heel move anymore based on people's reactions. So like, it's, it's hard to say. It's very much like she could inhabit that tweener persona in doing heel stuff without getting heel heat. Um, But I'm kind of hoping that they kind of firmly cement her one side or the other moving forward. I think this match was perfectly fine to kind of play it safe in that regard, but I would like to see her like really be full face or really be full heel in the coming months because I think it will lend itself to richer storytelling down the line.
0: All of the characteristics and mannerisms would scream heel. Calling yourself the CEO, dropping money from... Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not because Okada drops the money too and he's beloved. But... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very hard to say. I mean, I think they well, I think they'll purposely keep her in that gray zone in between, so they can put her up against whomever they want for whomever whatever show. Because we gotta imagine she's going forward, only gonna be wrestling like big shows here and there. She's not gonna be on the small stardom shows doing the eight person tags or the opening mat, you know, doing an opening trio match against Hanan and Hina. Like we'll we'll see her in Julia, we'll see her in Mayu, we might see her in Tam, we might see her in Tommy, but I'd be shocked if she wrestles more than five or six matches in Japan this year.
1: Well, I'll be very curious. Um, the. IWGP Women's Championship being so new I have no idea really how this belt gets defended on a regular basis. does it get defended at every major new Japan show and any like major stardom show like does it get defended mainly in US-based shows like I I'm intensely curious as to what they actually intend on like on the continuity when it comes to the stories that build into this belt because so far there hasn't been a whole lot.
0: Yeah, Kyrie won. She defended against Tam at Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and then and then this match, which was just Mercedes showed up and said, I want the the title, which is you know, the most basic <laughs> basic ability you can do, but also all that was necessary for a match like this. You didn't need a lot of blood feud on this or like personal beef between them because the selling point was, Hey Mercedes is here.
1: Yeah, I mean this was a this was a match about, you know, the the people in it, but very specifically it was about Mercedes.
0: You assume you assumed going in that she was gonna win
1: um, you know I think I didn't really have an assumption I assumed she would I, I think if I if you put it like a if you'd made me guess I think I assumed that she would have won um because of where the event is because of it um, also the placement on the card just it being a double main event like I just assumed no one was going to be like booking it for Mercedes to lose in this particular setting. Um, but if Kyrie had walked away retaining, I don't think I would have been that shocked, but I don't know. It it felt like this whole event was built around her, you know, like the Valley had some, some interesting matches some some really good ones. Um, But the double main event was this and then Okada versus Tanahashi. And not to say anything diminishing about Okada and Tanahashi, but uh, we have seen Okada versus Tanahashi many, 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 many times. Now I get that people in California have not seen them live do this over and over again. But like, we know what that match can look like. We do know what they're capable of. Um, This event in general felt like very much built around the introduction of Mercedes. And I don't think you do that if you're not going to give her the belt right away.
0: Yeah, we assume she's going to be showing up in stardom going forward because everybody who competed, everybody who challenged for the title to become the first champion in the tournament was stardom talent, right? But then, yeah, so many questions about where things go from here, about what they do with her. She won the title. Kyrie put the belt on her. At the end of the match, it was a very good match. Some people said like it was Mac It's too early to say match of the year. It's only February, but said it, it's a potential match of the year. It was one of their favorite matches ever. I liked it. It. I found my, I think. I. I am in the minority for sure. From what I saw on my Twitter, I'm in the minority where I thought the first 15 minutes was kind of boring. I was kind of just waiting for like things to pick up. By the end, I was like, okay, yeah, it was a good match. It didn't, you know, it didn't it's not my match of the year. It's already not my match of the year. Like I liked Mickey and Jordan Grace more, but it was very good, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I um I really like this match a lot. Um I think I think it's gonna take a little time for Mercedes to kind of shake off some of the WWE isms of her of her performance. That's not to say that she's not an excellent wrestler and has been for a very long time. Um, It's just to say that, like, working in a different setting requires working with a different promotion, especially an international promotion, requires a slightly different take on in-ring movement and speed and match style and um, instinct that uh, that is required in WWE. And like, it's just going to take her a little while to get used to that. But I found her finding her footing in this match within like 10 to 15 minutes, about halfway in when they did the 15 minute call. And they mentioned that, you know, 15 minutes into the match. Um, that did seem to be where she found it, kind of found her groove with it. There were a couple little, like, disjointed spots. I won't even call them messy, but just, like, a little disjointed spots early on. But overall, I thought this was a really great match. I think her and Kyrie have really good ring chemistry, which is another great reason for them to be this first pick matchup for Mercedes. Um, I think what Mercedes was able to kind of bring out in Kyrie in this match was great because I love seeing an aggressive Kyrie same. Um But... Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some people kind of raving and raving and raving, and I don't want to, you know, I'm sure that they can give me like a really great like full length explanation as to why, but I do think some of it might have been an emotional reaction too. Um, now not having watched WWE for so long and not having a connection to former the former Sasha Banks in the way that a lot of people do, this didn't hit emotionally as hard for me as it did for others I can understand why it would hit as hard as it would if you had that connection Uh, but that might be why some people were like that into the match I liked it I was fully into it I just I walk away thinking of this match as like a you know a very a B plus plus
0: I do and I was I was I my big thing going into this was I want to see the new mercedes Monet. I want to see (laughs) how she's different from Sasha Banks I don't want to just have her walk in here because a lot. That's that's one of the big selling points for things like this, it's, especially in WWE, right? Because so many of how many of the guys in AEW used like jailbreak imagery when they left WWE. Like the chains are off now. You can finally see see the real me. You can see how I, like how they held me back for all these years. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's see the real Mercedes. Let's see like what she looks like now. She's got new hair, cool. She's got new gear, new music. That's that's good. A new nickname, great. And she has a new finishing move, which I especially love as well. And as you said, her her love and admiration for Eddie Guerrero is well-documented. He might be the number one wrestler who influences her and in her style in ring. She does the Three Amigos. She does a lot of uh, the types of like high-flying kind of moves that he does. So I especially love that her new finishing move is a gory bomb, because a gory bomb is essentially a move that was invented by Eddie Guerrero's dad, Corey Guerrero.
1: Yeah, there's some really fantastic work that she's doing um, to differentiate her moveset that I'm excited to see evolve. Um, overall, I didn't feel like I was seeing a different wrestler, but that's also completely okay. Um, sometimes it sometimes it has to be a process. It has to be an a evolution. Um, just having a, a change to her finish just having a bit more like aggression in her like general moveset it worked enough to differentiate without being like that that different but there was some I mean there were some spots in this that I really loved I really enjoyed as silly as they can be I really enjoyed the like towards the end of the match when they did like the the coupling of like leg up spots where I think it was Kyrie up on the top rope and she was coming down and and Mercedes put not knees up but like her whole fucking feet up which was something I never. I feel like you never see. You never see people bring their entire legs up to catch someone coming at them, um, and then Kyrie returning the favor with Mercedes coming off the top rope and putting her knees up. I thought that was a really nice sequence. Um, I was even okay with the table spot. I wasn't really sure how I felt about them going off to the ramp because it kind of it did not it segwayed in kind of in a kind of clumsy segway up the ramp. It just it didn't didn't totally work for me, but then when the table came out it kind of gave the whole thing momentum Um, and the crowd I mean I just wrestling is made by the crowd reactions and you could not stop this crowd this crowd was non-stop um, non-stop reaction to everything that was happening there there was not a point in this match where there was any kind of quiet and that really did make it feel like even more momentous
0: so once again we circle back to now what. Now, what do we do with Mercedes? When does she show up and wrestle in front of actual Japanese crowds in Japan? Who does she defend against? How often does she wrestle over there? Does she do take matches? Naomi, where are you? Please, come join her. Look how much fun she's having. We do know that there's one show coming up in about a month's time that is kind of similar to this because it's also a New Japan show. It's also in California. It is Thursday, March 30th. Impact Wrestling and New Japan, Multiverse United, where they announced that Impact and New Japan are essentially going to be having matches against each other. Matches like Speedball Mike Bailey versus Will Ospreay, Kushida versus Josh Alexander. They've said that the Knockouts division will be involved. And we talked about this recently when we did Mickey James's Living Legend episode, but a Following the show, Mercedes tweeted out about wanting to face Mickey James.
1: Yes, I don't know how you do that though, with the both of them having belts.
0: I mean, it would clearly be an well, not clearly, I mean, nothing's clear anymore. Like Mercedes is knockout champ, knockout champion 2023. I wouldn't put it past anybody. But the easy assumption would be to do non-title and have the impact staff and Mickey say, you know what? We're, she's not really gonna lose that much by putting over Mercedes clean. I mean Mickey entered the Women's War Rumble last year as knockouts champion, got eliminated, didn't really hurt her impact that much.
1: True, this is an impact event though. I mean it's impacted New Japan pro wrestling, but it's it's like partnered, so I don't know. I mean, none of this is to say that it can't work or that it won't work. I I mean, a lot rests on the idea that Mickey James retains next Friday at Impact No Surrender. Cough, cough, please watch. Oh, Funny. true.
0: Maybe it's not even a type Maybe it's not an issue at all. Maybe it's former Knockouts champ.
1: Yeah, I Mickey mean, James. I have this week, if I thought it was going to be Mickey or, or Masha um, at No Surrender. And I, I don't know that you create this. Like, intense, incredible story around Mickey James's comeback to the, the championship and then immediately take it away. Um, but Impact has a way of doing things that, that do actually weirdly really work and make sense down the line. So I trust the storytelling here. Um, so if that's the case, if Mickey loses to Masha on Friday, then I'm going to guarantee you we're seeing Mickey versus Mercedes at the end of, the, at the end of March. Because that like that leaves things wide open.
0: And if Mickey retains, who knows how that factors into things. Also, with Mercedes either I don't know is Mercedes is officially contracted to New Japan? I think so.
1: I, I would have to imagine that they have something if they're gonna put a belt on her.
0: Well then looking farther ahead, we're probably gonna get a Forbidden Door 2 this summer, aren't we?
1: I would Really hope so. Who knows? But I was I'm very much hope
0: Right. So Mercedes in and, and quote unquote AEW half half of an AEW. Ring. Mercedes versus Jade Cargill. Mercedes versus anyone but Bert Baker. The options are endless.
1: Mercedes versus Jamie Hater. Jamie Hater has plenty of stardom time.
0: True. Yeah. That's the thing. I she came out in the in the Tokyo Cyber Squad gear and I was like. There's nobody from Tokyo Cyber Squad left in Stardom, I don't think. Kion is gone. I think Konami is retired. Uh, Stevie Turner is in NXT now. Zoe Lucas is wrestling on the British Indies. There's nobody from TCS left there to like pick up that thread.
1: I mean, I'll be interested to see what, what Mercedes integration to stardom is gonna be like. Because again, it's like Kyra's a stardom wrestler, went back to stardom before getting the IWGP championship mercedes is a is a is a free agent essentially she doesn't belong to stardom any more than she really belongs to New Japan. She just has this belt now, so I'm curious to see like who 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 wants to like where does she get incorporated? Does she continue to kind of stand alone and just make like special like d- defenses and special events that would kind of bum me out if that was the case because she's such she's great at storytelling she's great at feud building. She, you know, the little bit I've seen of her work in NXT and in WWE, like I've always been really impressed by her ability to like make these stories more than more than the sum of their parts. And like I would hate to see her just kind of be a special event player, like a big name that gets touted out whenever you want to put a big match on your card. She's 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 good wrestling she's good at wrestling, but she's also good at like pro wrestling, the whole spiel of it. And I, I don't know, I'd hate to see her not be able to, get to do that part of it.
0: Yeah, she wants the full Japan experience, then she needs to join Stardom. She needs to have like be part of one of the factions, whether it's you know joining one and taking over, or starting her own and luring people, learning women from different groups to come and join hers instead, something to that effect. The only thing I'm confident about is her first defense will be against Mayu. Yeah, it's like the most logical out of everybody in Stardom.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see it being anyone else.
0: She's the ace. She's the greatest. Like, come on. And we we want it. Who doesn't want to see that?
1: Kind of bumps me out for Mayu <laughs> that like, Mayu gets these like major shots of the IWGP Championship, and she's like consistently losing to like people who got signed by WWE, and she never did.
0: Yes, but that's that's what it means to be the goat. Sometimes to be the ace is you're near the top, and you're not you don't get the ball. But uh, Brian Danielson goes out there every week and puts on a banger anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that was that show. Also, this weekend was a very big show in America. It was the final show from Pro Wrestling Vibe. Our friends at PW Vibe announced that this show, Bramatica, would be their final show as a group. Very sad news on that front. Also, very sad news was Sunday afternoons. Apparently a busy time. Busy time for the glitterati at least. I wasn't able to watch the show due to birthday festivities this weekend you weren't able to watch the show live either when it aired on IWTV
1: look if your show is happening middle of the day I'm not gonna get to see it I'm just not like I might get to see part of it I did get to see the main event for this event and I was it it was every bit what I hoped it would be but otherwise I will have to wait for when it hits the video on demand on IWTV
0: yeah I'll definitely watch it once it lands on on demand for the time being though I can't I don't know what happened. I didn't read the spoilers. I don't want to know the spoilers, honestly. So I'm just not even going to listen to the next half hour of this podcast because <laughs> what we did, since I didn't see the show, Em didn't see the show, we went out and we found somebody who did our BFF, friend of the show, Brian Bell, was live in the building for Bramatica. And since Brian's podcast, LGBT in the Ring, is currently on hiatus, we said, hey, you want a platform to talk about this? You got a mic? You know how to do a little podcasting? Come. Podcast for us.
2: Hello, lovelies. Brian Bell here with you on a special little segment here for Grit and Glitter. Um, I am coming to you from my hotel room in Washington, D.C. (laughs) Just uh, a few hours following the, uh, the end of an era, the final Pro Wrestling Vibe event, Bromatica, at DC Brow, where it all started with Butch vs. Gore three years ago, right before the pandemic hit and the shutdowns hit and everything. And uh, oh, it's been a, a, quite a journey for that company at this point, but it all came to a head Sunday afternoon in DC Brow with an event that, uh, you know, it was already... Going to be special before we found out that this is going to be the final vibe event ever, um, potentially, more than likely. And um, whenever that happened, obviously, that added so much more significance to that afternoon. And let me just tell you um, being there live in the building, I know plenty of y'all watched on IWTV, and I still haven't come back to watch the the VOD. Obviously, it's not up yet as I'm speaking, but um, this was one that was for the ages, honestly. It had so many connections and so many similar emotions to that first Butch versus Gore show, and at the same time, carried. The spirit that Pro Wrestling Vibe has put out there over the last three years, not to mention the fact that uh, the party atmosphere aspect of the show was on such full display from beginning to end, Um, from the pre-show match all the way up through that gut-wrenching main event that Pro Wrestling Vibe and one Billy Dixon um, are always there to give it give to us um they just want to push you as far as they can to the edge before pulling you back with um with the positivity and with that cathartic moment at the end there and we'll, we'll get to that here but um i don't know if i want to go like match by match for this but and like rather than like talk about the matches in the same way that that we normally do um which don't get me wrong, like, all these matches were really fun, uh, and stellar stuff, but, um, I don't know, like, I think being there in the building and and having the, feeling the connection that I feel to this company just kind of made the, the emotions and the memories and everything kind of supersede the, uh, the, uh, the chain wrestling and the trading of holds and stuff like that. Although there was, like I said, there's plenty of good in that, especially whenever we <laughs> looking at Jordan blade, and Neil O'Neill, um, just outstanding stuff there. But, um, real quick, it had a really fun, uh, pre-show match for, for those live in attendance with, uh, Sean Carlson and, uh, Filipino Grino, <laughs> Grisio. Uh, um, that was a, that was really cool. Uh, First time seeing both of them in person, but, you know, if you're paying attention to anything going on in, in the DMV, as well as up in, in Delaware, as well, um, like, those are two names to keep your eye on. Um, just really, really fun stuff. Um, first match uh, of the show, Proper, was a, a four-way that was originally a, a three-way, but... Um, one of the beauties of being back in DC brow and, you know, kind of being the last bastion of, uh, wrestling in DC proper is that sometimes you get the opportunity to bring back some people that, you know, were there to help put a name to DC wrestling, but haven't really gotten the chance to show that in, in recent years. And, um, of course, that is the addition of Bro Keller to this this three-way that was originally O'Shea Edwards versus Elijah Friday versus MV Young. Um, <laughs> and that was really cool to see Bro get that moment and to see the crowd just embrace him in the way that they had, you know, through the primetime pro years, through the Nova pro years, up until um, uh, really up until the, the, the shutdown uh, happened there. Uh, so yeah, bro, coming back. Obviously, also you're reigniting the the <laughs> the very heated rivalry between O'Shea Edwards and Bro Keller in this match. Uh, MV MV doesn't disappoint. Powerhouse just smacked the shit out of people. And then um, Elijah Friday is another person whose name needs to be on on more lips. I I wanted. I wish I saw. Elijah um, in more spots. Um it's just really cool. Um but yeah. Uh and then for me, like this match, like the match was fun, especially <laughs> O'Shea just yanking the referee up by his belt, um, in the middle of a count. But um the real moment for this was afterwards, um, O'Shea just opening up in a way that he doesn't normally do, um, in ring or on mic during an event in the way that he did, and, um, you know, I, I had the wonderful chance to um, to talk to him whenever he was um, was coming out as bisexual years ago, and um, for him to get that moment to just address that with the crowd, and, and thank the crowd, and thank Vibe for being the environment that it was, and for embracing him in the way that, that they did, like, that was really cool, and then it's also just nice to see um, hatchets buried, <laughs> so to speak, with um, O'Shea and Lowe um, there. Uh, I, I don't know if everybody saw like, there was just a moment um, where O'Shea and Lowe had the chance to, to embrace, and that was really cool to see. Um, of course, Jordan Blade and Neil O'Neill, first time that they had faced off against each other and did not disappoint. Jordan Blade coming out with the win. Um, and again like the match was great but this this one was again defined by what was spoken afterwards you know jordan blade talking about this this moment being black history and um, and eel just uh going again off <laughs> afterwards i'm um, talking about you know keeping wrestling in dc and keeping that that spirit alive and just you know doing everything that he can to keep this thing going until we have, they have wrestling in, in the DMB weekly. Um, I don't know. There's, I just love the passion from eel. Um, <laughs> just going off in the, in the way that he did. Um, this, oh God, this six person tag team Edith versus team Killian. Um, look, Killian McMurphy, Rob Racky and Saul Esparza have been menaces, in pro wrestling vibe over the last, coming up on a year or so. Killian has been kind of a menace since forever, but <laughs> a menace we love. But, um, you know, coming out of primetime vibes uh, in, in the main event there, this match was just, if there was a match that had, uh, that could rival or did rival, rather, um, the main event for in terms of just Crowd heat and crowd response, and just people wanting to see somebody get theirs. It was this one. Obviously, uh, Edith Surreal and Trisha Dora uh, had a mystery partner announced uh, beforehand, and of course, we we got the answer of who their partner was, rather quickly. One Erica Lee. The only way it could be, um, if you're going to go up against the goons, you bring in the number one uh, goon basher, in Erica Lee. Um, and, you know, much like the main event where you had, um, you know, these, a, a lot of build, a lot of, like, sways in terms of um, crowd emotion and crowd reaction and building to a final climax that just felt so, so, so good. This match, uh, I'd say, this match and, and the main event were the two examples of what, pri- what Pro Wrestling Five liked to do with their main events, how they like to structure them. And um, this was just outstanding. You uh, you had a lot of brawling on the outside. You had um, all six of these great wrestlers just trading shots back and forth. You had the ebbs and flows of everything, and then Erica hits a pedigree <laughs> at some point. And, um, and you just get that, wonderful catharsis um, of this story that has been somewhat divisive in, in online circles with, with Killian and, you know, this story of uh, internalized queer and, you know, that sort of thing. And Edith finally standing supreme over, uh, over the goons with, with friends in hand. And um, just, just another wonderful moment. Like I would love to see this trio of, Erica, Edith, and Trish uh, do some do some more stuff, and um, I don't know. Like I know I know we have uh, a great heel uh, in the main event of this of this show, but um, Killian Murphy rivals Darius Carter for um, the best heel in. the that Pro Wrestling Vibes put as produced. Honestly, I think they're neck and neck at this point in a lot of ways. Although Darius did do plenty to try and push himself further ahead this time around. Um, the Fight Club Chocolate City Championship was on the line uh, with Andino defeating Brooke Valentine. Brooke, a wonderful addition to to the DMV over the last year, um, Andino, a hidden gem of the area, uh, and I think. Andino is another person who deserves more focus uh, for for what he does, uh, especially considering just the apathy that is always on his face. <laughs> it's just so good. But this one was a lot of fun, real creative finish, I would say, with the you know, Brook going for the spear and um, and Andino having the championship there for uh, Brooke to run headlong into and get the win that way to retain. Just, just a really fun little contest there. Um, and that kind of sent us an intermission, which gave all of us uh, a well-needed breather ahead of the spectacle that was the last two matches of this show and the last two matches in the history of Pro Wrestling Vibe. Let me tell you all, when I say that, um, how much I love the fact that a Pro Wrestling match generated multiple dueling chants of Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. <laughs> it is something that only in Pro Wrestling Vibe um, that it could happen. The Rain on Me match. Allie catch and Ashton Star. Um I will say this, I did not expect Allie to make her entrance singing rain on me when that i about lost my top whenever that happened um it was just oh my god it was so beautiful i had already like teared up at least like twice during the show but for some reason Ally coming out singing that song the passion in her voice and the passion um that she had on display through um, through a performance, just uh, it it got me, and so and then of course Ashton is just Ashton's just a star, it's in the name, uh, and these two put on a, a match that was that was worthy of the one the song and two the the divas that they were representing in this match. Um, the the moment in the middle of the match when like you had the double down and then the song kicked in. It was just beautiful, um, a beautiful moment there. And, of course, Allie comes out on top, and uh, Ashton begrudgingly has to admit that for one day only that Lady Gaga slayed more on Rain On Me than Ariana Grande. Um, I'm going to abstain from stating my position on that, because it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you had two people in the ring celebrating um, things that they love. And at the end of the day, ultimately that's kind of what pro wrestling is in a lot of ways. It's just people in a ring expressing love for the performance and expressing love for the art form that they fell in love with, you know, whether it just be a few years ago, one year ago or many years ago, but It's about taking that internalized passion and putting it back out there in a way that you feel um, satisfied, but also for the benefit of of others and and this sense of community. And, you know, I I would say, you know, I I was joking with my spouse um, after the show uh, because they they weren't able to come out, but, um, you know, I, I told them like, you know, if there's any match on this show that we need to go back and watch first, it's the rain on me match because one, it is one of the gayest things I've ever seen in a pro wrestling ring. And I absolutely adore it. Um, But also just, I don't know. It, there's a lot of feelings and I love pro wrestling. That makes me feel a lot of feelings. And, And this one definitely did. And of course, Speaking of feelings, we have to talk about the main event. Faye Jackson returning to the ring after two years away at this point um, to battle Darius Carter in No Holds Barred, end of an era, with Billy Dixon as the special referee on the outside. Um one of the beautiful things I love about Pro Wrestling Vibe is the attention to detail and the, when it comes to their history and what they have done. Even though it is a very short history in the grand scheme of, of things, you know. But um, you know, thinking back to Butch versus Gore, Faye Jackson was in the main event of that show against Effie in a match that was just bonkers <laughs> and just so much more. Um, like playful sexual energy within it. And then you juxtapose that to three years later, Faye Jackson coming back after, you know, retiring. um, And her first match back is to defend the honor of Billy Dixon to defend herself and to complete this three year arc that we have seen between her, Billy, and Darius, dating back to the first Paris's bumping show, out in the middle of fucking nowhere Delaware, um, that we saw, and um, it did not disappoint. Like you still had some of that that energy there because it's Faye. You know, Faye is always going to bring some of that that um, that sexual energy. Obviously, the the mission is back, <laughs> so to speak. Um, as we saw, but, um, you know, you put her in the ring with someone who is just so ruthless and uncaring in terms of character as Darius Carter, it makes for a beautiful, beautiful mixture. And, um, the two of them did not disappoint. They fought all over the building. You know, we got, we got Faye Jackson back up on the same bar, you know, that like, Three years ago she was twerking on, on Effie and Effie was trying to control himself on that bar and this time around it's it's a completely different attitude with that moment where, you know, Faye looks like she's gonna get pile get a pile driver up there from Darius, but then Bagbody drops him off of the bar. Like it was just it's playing in the same arenas but with completely different scripts. And still being just evo- as evocative as as it was before. Arguably more evocative in that way. Um, but, you know, again, this match just... Uh, there were so many moments where it was just like... In the same way that Billy Dixon versus Darius Carter I quit at Pride and Vibe Weekend last year was... So many moments, and just like, how f- much further can they push this? Can they push this, until you have some kind of comeuppance and let the let the room breathe a bit, you know, with with Billy, you know, fighting back and that sort of thing. And you and you got more of that here in the main event. And um, God, it made for such an outburst from everyone in that building whenever Faye um made her comeback. And then I swear, like, that that final senton just sent me. That final senton just sent me, and then Billy, like, stopping Nick Shin from counting so that he could count Darius out from outside of the ring. It was just beautiful. It was the perfect ending to what Pro Wrestling Vibe has been trying to do. And there really is no other way that it could have ended. It truly was an end of an era. And like I don't know if Faye is going to be if this is a, like a full return if if she's going to be wrestling more or if this is just a one time thing, um, you know I, but I don't know like I just I'm I hope that Faye got what she wanted out of this this match I hope that Billy and Darius got got what they wanted out of this match because I can, I can tell you right now um, for myself and for a, a lot of people that were there in the building, everybody got what they wanted out of this match. And then at the end, I don't know if this was picked up on IWTV. I don't know when the feed cut out, but then we get to have um, another tearjerker moment with all the, the wrestlers in the ring and, and Billy, you know, thanking us, thanking them, thanking fans. Thanking everybody for helping make pro wrestling vibe such a such a huge um, thing for the short time it was, and and then it all ended in a dance party, which um, for a queer wrestling promotion that had the spirit that pro wrestling vibe did, the only way to end it is to cry it out hug it out, and then motherfucking dance it out. And that's what we did in that building. Just dance. It's going to be okay. Yeah, obviously, the, like, just going back, now, t- going back to talk about it now is hitting me with so many of the same emotions that I was feeling um, earlier, and it's a, still a very, very raw moment, I think, f- for myself. But um, I just want to say thank you to Billy Dixon. Thank you to Lo McGrath. Thank you to every wrestler, every crew member, um, anybody that's ever worked on a Pro Wrestling Vibe show like this. I feel a very special connection to this company personally, and I know I'm not the only person that does. And um, it's hard to do that, to build that connection so quickly and so powerfully in the way that Pro Wrestling Vibe did. It will be missed. It surely will be missed. You know, as Billy said on LGBT in the Ring ahead of this show, queer wrestling isn't dead. Trust me, it's thriving more than anything right now. It is at its peak, and Pro Wrestling Vibe in the space that it created is one of the key reasons why. R.I.P. Pro Wrestling Vibe. Long live Pro Wrestling. Vibe. Always. And happy.
0: That's our show. Thank you again, everybody for listening every week as you do. I love this podcast. I just like doing this podcast, you know, that's all we just do it for fun. It's just, it's fun. And look at all the great friends we have.
1: We make zero money off of this podcast. In fact, I lose money on this podcast, um, but I have no regrets and I love it. And it's, it's been, you know, several years now of us recording together. And, I gotta admit, Harley, I'm, I'm gonna have a really hard time not calling you Harley R. Paget from now on. This is like—I feel like we've really hit another another new era in a in a list of new eras of our show, and now we're in the Harley Vasquez era. I don't know what it's gonna be.
0: Yeah, I know it's weird, but luckily for you, dear listeners, the rest just stayed the same. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. That will never change. I nope. promise you. And we'll always keep the ampersand. I just love a good ampersand.
1: Uh, Who doesn't like an ampersand? It's got everything you need.
0: If you follow us on Patreon, $1 a month or $5 a month. $1 gets you a weekly newsletter written by your friends in the Glitterati. And $5 a month gets you bonus podcasts like Great Glitter and Glow, M's podcast with Val Quartz talking about the Netflix series Glow, or Women's Wrestling Entertainment, me and M, talking about the history of women in the WWE.
1: Yes. And look, we will have more glitter and Glow. I've been giving our good friend Bob Quartz time because she is just doing so many th- phenomenal things on the West Coast and teaching and, and uh, with her. And in addition to her full time gear making work. And so that all being said, trust me, it's coming back. So if you can please subscribe to our Patreon, you will make sh- you will be sure to get those new episodes along with the meticulously researched and wonderful women's wrestling entertainment with Harley and me. As well as other really cool bonuses, like Carly's been releasing the first couple, the first several episodes of Grit and Glitter when we first formed and we're still in the PW Torch. So if you had a hard time listening to those episodes because of ads or whatever, or you just didn't find your way to the show until we went independent, you should get on our Patreon so you can hear these episodes. They are fantastic. I forgot all the great things that we covered in that first year. I really encourage you to seek us out find those episodes because they're well with your time and you pay a couple bucks a month so that you can listen to them. What, what's to lose?
0: Every Saturday, an archived episode of Grit and Glitter from our early days is made available. A new one in order. We're almost done uploading all of season one of Grit and Glitter. In fact, this Saturday is we will be posting part one of M's two part series
1: talking with Russell parents. Oh my God. Where the Russell parents one already. Oh God. This is these were recorded while I was pregnant in the lead up to having my child and in the, you know, a couple of months before COVID shut everything down. And they, I was super excited to get to talk to people about their parenting experiences intersecting with their wrestling fandom. And it's, it's really just a, a, a really fun listen and lots of really great people talk to us on that episode who have become dear friends of our show. Um, so please but send, send us five bucks and you will have access to all of those back archives and more
0: on the topic of wrestling families next week on the show M and Glitterati member Don
1: Halliwell will be talking to one of the great wrestling sisters Delmi Exo.